We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to the Transformative Principal Podcast, where we learn how to be an amazing educational leader. I am your host, Jethro Jones. Are you ready to be a transformative principal? I'm looking for about 10 people who are ready to do what it takes to lead with integrity, find balance, and take your school to the next level. If you're looking to improve your leadership in a measurable way, go to transformativeprincipal.org slash mastermind to see if you qualify to join a group of like-minded people who are ready to be the best principals in the country. Welcome to Transformative Principal. Thank you so much for listening. Today, I'm continuing my conversation with Steven Sroka, and we're going to talk about the how we help kids stay away from drugs and alcohol and things like that, and how that is a very important thing that we all need to be concerned about because it's so damaging to our students. And I really hope that you take this opportunity to start the new year off well and uh, do something good. I... Uh, just completed the best year ever course that I talked about a couple of weeks ago on the podcast and really made some good goals that I'm excited to be able to do this year. So have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. I'd like to change it up just a little bit and talk about some of the other things, uh, especially relating to how we as principals deal with students being exposed to drugs. As you know, many states are passing laws allowing the use of marijuana recreationally and medicinally, and there's a lot of confusion about what is actually allowed and what isn't, and I know that you've got a lot of experience talking about that. So could you talk a little bit about how we deal with marijuana and other drugs that kids are exposed to? It's a, In fact, if anybody's even interested on my website, I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm just selling ideas. And anything you get on my website you want to use, you can use and share it. I, when I write articles now, I used to write articles for, and I have a ton of books and articles, but people that need it can't afford it, can't buy it. So what I do now is I keep the copyrights on all my articles. So any articles that I have on my website, if anybody here wants them, they can have it. They can obviously copy it if they want. If they want a word format to put their web, their letterhead on, I can do that too. But um, marijuana, I have a strong feeling. I actually just did programs in, in Colorado and Washington. Both of them have legalized. 
in all ways, it's wrong for kids in high school. It's like this is, and when they decriminalize it, people think it's not a problem. The biggest problem, Jethro, in this country for drugs for kids is alcohol. That's the number one. That's the number one killer of kids in, the, in this country uh, through, uh, through through accidents. But it's the perceived risk of harm since they've legalized it. And you know, if you're an adult and you want to do something in your privates, that's your whole thing. But when you're an adolescent and that brain is growing, well, I can just tell you the, the medical perspective here. About most research would say right now, roughly nine to ten percent of all people that smoke marijuana are addicted. In other words, they got to have it every day, or they just don't feel right, you know. But when you talk, when you do the research with kids who start smoking in middle school or high school, the addiction rate doubles. It's about eighteen to twenty percent. Wow! So the brain of the adolescent is far more susceptible to addiction. We know if you start drinking heavily before the ninth grade, you quadruple your chances of becoming an alcoholic. See, the problem is, you know, they say medical marijuana. Well, hey, if you want medical marijuana, there's pills out there. You don't have to smoke it. If you go through the guys out there, this is a this is all a front to make a lot of money smoking dope. It's a huge industry, but it's not right for, for, for kids in high school. And it's against the law if you're under 18 or 21, depending on your state, wherever you're at. But the kids see it as, you know, it's, a, it's, it's not an issue out there. Well, for some people, it is. And I, I bury, and I've worked a lot with a lot of people doing heroin. I can tell you of everyone that I've worked with, and the numbers aren't huge, but of all the people I've worked with that have died, they all smoke marijuana. You know, I mean, I know it's not a gateway drug for a lot of people, but for how do you know? See, how can you tell me that won't be a gateway drug for you? Because you don't know. And the bottom line is like with narcotics, which we're having a huge problem. See, narcotics were not a problem 20 years ago because they were inner city kids of color that were dying. No one here, or Native Americans. But now the white rich boys are dying and everybody's going crazy. And that's because it's uh, an overprescribed epidemic, an, a doctor prescribed epidemic where kids, uh, often starting with wisdom teeth and sports injuries, get narcotics, which they should have never had. But the point is, again, when you start putting these drugs on an adolescent brain, it changes things. From a medical point of view, before you prescribe, you need to know dosages. I mean, what's a dosage? How much marijuana do you give to somebody to make them feel whatever they need to deal with, you know? The the point is right now, from a medical point of view, maybe there is some issues for marijuana, but where's the data and how much? You, you How do you prescribe marijuana? Do you, two joints? I mean, you know, you describe uh, an amount that you can base on research. So, so for a lot of different reasons, uh, marijuana is not good for the adolescent brain. So I'm, I'm completely against it. I know I talked to the police. I, I talked to the, the marijuana lawyer for the state of Colorado. And he said to me uh, that, you know, it's the law out there. So you can't, you can't talk uh, against the law, but you can talk about the ramifications of the law. And one of the things he told me, several things he stuck with me, is one, less, the marijuana, they talk about all the money that comes in, he says it's less than 1% of the budget. You're not going to have all this more money out there to, to make a difference. But he said when you deal with the issues that come with it, the litigation, uh, uh, the, the breaking of the law, those are issues. Out in Colorado, they also had problems coming in because medical marijuana is somewhat expensive. They got the illegal marijuana coming in. Because it is legal, other people are trying to come in and try to sell their stuff. And just a lot of issues. I, you know, and on the other hand, I do think it's going to be legalized around the country. But for the adolescents, it's going to cause a lot of problems. The edibles are huge out there because you don't know 
you know, a cookie, how much do you take? I mean, it takes a long time before to ingest. So I'm very much against the use of marijuana uh, for the adolescent brain, I, for, for any drug, and including narcotics. And, I, and when I work with physicians, we do everything we can to have them not, if they can, uh, prescribe an opiate for for pain. There are some other options. Sometimes you, the pain is so intense, a major surgery, but you don't need a couple of weeks of, of medicine, maybe a day or two. And yeah. I also have a video on there. But, but, but I'm, I'm very, very concerned about young kids smoking, smoking earlier. And that's because you can say, hey, I did it. Look, I'm okay. Well, you're not everybody. You know, and if you're one of those 10 or 20 percent, there goes your life. If you in, you know, I don't know if you've been in the schools where you see these kids, they come to school, they're quiet, they sit there, but their minds are just they're not there. You know, they aren't there. And that's what bothers me that I think, you know, your brain needs to be functioning on all on all cylinders if you're going to be be learning and uh and you can't do that uh, uh when you're on drugs yeah so how do we help students stay away from it and obviously dare is out there and other drug awareness things what actually works and what is what can a, a principal who's listening right now do today to to help kids steer clear of that the problem with drugs is that as long as there is a um, a demand, there'll be a supply. So we have to, I think the key here is prevention. Intervention is difficult. I mean, I can tell you right now, many people don't realize that with opiates, if your kids get addicted to opiates as a teenager, if they go to rehab, nine, 90%, 9 out of 10 are going to relapse. 9 out of 10 people are going to relapse. And so to, and to do like for heroin, you know, you have to, you can't go out for two or opiates. Uh, you can't go out for like two weeks for rehab. You got to spend like three, probably six months, probably cost you $75,000. So you hock your house to do it. And then your kid comes out and they relapsed again. So for me, you do need the treatment when, and the intervention. But I think the real key and why principles are really important is in prevention. And I think we actually can start things K to 12. And I mean, not that you're going to be talking about, you know, in elementary school. Um, well, obviously, by middle elementary school, you can be talking about drugs, but talking about poisons and good and good choices and bad choices. I like to see, and I encourage to set up like programs for prevention that deal with coping skills for life that can deal with health risks. Because the diseases, the drugs are going to change. The diseases are going to change. The violence is going to change. But if we can give kids nice coping skills, like making good decisions, being able to refuse those skills. See, Dare used to not do that. Dare used to come up with a bunch of drugs and try to scare the kids. And actually, it actually turned some kids on. But Dare now is now based on, and what I try to do is go out and try to set up, give our kids uh, life skills so that they can learn more and actually live better. But the idea is starting early on. I think in schools, we give kids options. I mean, what do you want to get high on? That, that's a good question. What do you want to get high on? You want to get high on drugs? You want to get high on sports? You want to get high on the debate club? You want to get high on your English class? You know, there, there has to be something that you need a passion in life. And when you can't, sometimes you just go, well, I just want to feel better. I think a huge word right now, and this could be another whole program, is that um, there is, and it's just caught on the last couple of years, the trauma-informed student. Yeah. And 
you know, this is huge. And I, I can just tell you from doing this, because those of us that work in the inner city, why do these kids act up that way? Well, if you got beat up and saw this parents doing all this kind of stuff and lived around drugs and, you know, had broken families, this is part of being, your brain has been trauma beat up. And, and so what's happening right now is we realize that, you know, when kids, I, I just did a, a program uh, for juvenile justice in um, Wisconsin, and we're talking to some of the people there, and they were saying from the from the people that did the psych uptakes in there, and, and this is adolescents in um, Wisconsin, that 90%, 90% of the incarcerated youth there suffered from PTSD, 90%. And so... You know, if your parents are fighting all the time and you're getting hit and you're getting bounced, and you know, that those are often things, they're everywhere, but they're really associated with poverty. And so when you go into a lot of these poverty schools and you have the broken families and you have the drug abuse that's there and you have the violence there, I mean, just think, Jeff, for a few, how do you think you'd feel if you saw your father killed? Your mother got beat up every night. Yeah. Or your sister. These are things that people go, oh, you can just be tough and live on. For many people, they can't. And so this changes the whole way we look at things. And we know now that when you feel this bad, one of the ways that you can, one of the things you can do is you can self-medicate with drugs because you fire up that little doobie, your mind feels a little better. You have a couple couple drinks, you know, you do a couple beers and it doesn't hurt that much. You don't think it hurts, but it ends up hurting you even more. So the prevention end is really important. But I, I got to make a big pitch for all the mental health services. We need more school psychs. You know, you yes. got a good one there. You know, we need more school counselors. We need more school social workers. Social workers are so important because if you identify as a principal in your school, Jethro, students, they can hook, hopefully hook you up someplace, although you might have to go off of Kodiak Island. Are you on Kodiak Island? Yeah, we are. Yeah, sometimes you might have to go a little further to get some of the help. But that social workers can kind of connect that. When we do training with school resource officers, now, of course, we want to let them know that a relationship is huge out there and that you can't arrest the problem away. But there's a big push right now for mental health awareness in schools, dealing with a trauma-informed student. I think right now, too, Jeffrey, that this idea of working with social-emotional learning early on is huge, and we have to stop looking at the kids as just a, um, a point average or a person. It's not just the academic. It's the social, the emotional, the spiritual, the physical. It's all of that, and if we deal with all that, the kids are going to score better on their tests because they're going to feel better with themselves out there today. But I think those are important important things that we we need to address and and so interesting enough although your question was what do we do to stop drugs maybe the things that we need to do don't involve drugs yeah you know we're we're other things that are going to make our kids uh feel like school climate from a principal's point of view that is huge right now make it if your kids don't feel safe they're going to carry a gun to school Maybe they're going to fire up a, a joint or have a beer because I don't feel comfortable there. But I, I think that idea of, of dealing with with the school climate, making those kids feel comfortable. My big thing when I go out is relationships because I really think if you can't relate, nothing else really matters. You know, if you've got 
a relationship where your kids can trust you and talk to you. That's how you make a school safe. They come over and say, hey, Mr. Jones, you know, somebody's going to talk about doing something outside tonight right by that little football field out there. I mean, you get something like that with a kid, that, that's priceless. We don't need more metal detectors. We need student detectors. And you have to yeah. build that in. You can't tack it on. Well, and Steve, I really appreciate you bringing up those two pieces because that's something that we have been working really hard at my school on is trauma-informed strategies to deal with students, ways to help kids feel safe in school so that we can have a relationship with them so that they can deal with whatever things are happening in their lives and still be successful in school. And it's had a huge impact on our kids' ability to deal with the struggles that they face. You know, here in Alaska, it gets dark at four o'clock right now. And it's, you know, if it's rainy outside, then it's even earlier. And that's, that's tough to deal with. And so, you know, being able to have some of these strategies in place and our school social worker has been working with, with our staff to teach us all how to do this. We've implemented these fidget boxes. So every adult has a fidget box where they can give these little fidgets out to kids to help them regulate themselves so that they they can be engaged in class. We make sure that we don't send kids out of class, that we teach them how to deal with whatever stresses they have they're in class so that they can continue to be exposed to the material so they can continue to learn. And those small steps that we're taking have made a huge impact on helping our kids feel safe and trust adults and build relationships with us. And, you know, I just can't emphasize it enough how important that is. And as educators, we feel like we don't have time to deal with any of that stuff, but we definitely do. And it's important for us to make that connection and make sure that we are doing something to help these kids who are struggling in that area. You know, I, I agree with you completely. My big theme at all the conferences I'll be talking about uh, this year, you know, I'll be talking, I think, you know, you have the power one to start the fire, but you need the power of many to keep the fire burning. It is all about relationships. And, you know, Jethro, one of the, and I work with a lot of different people doing research, but one of the most significant predictors of students of improvement in schools, um, and, and these are people that are looking at all these different programs they're putting in schools and different things, but many, much of the research out there suggests one simple thing is probably more significant than anything else trying to improve achievement level in school, and that is when every staff member learns every student's name, and that's huge. And, I mean, there are, there are some of the studies you're reading go just knowing the name. I mean... Um, and as a principal, I think many principals know maybe it's really, really tough if you have a really huge school, but, you know, get to know as many names as you can. I mean, it's just a whole different situation when somebody walks up to you and says, hey, hey, Jethro, rather than, hey, hey, principal. Yeah. You know, that whole idea of just knowing and calling a person by name is huge out there. And the research suggests that. I'll tell you, whether I'm talking to doctors or I'm talking to business or talking to schools, relationships are key. You know, in medicine, we joke, if you don't have a relationship, you got two problems. you got liability because people are going to sue you, and you got um, compliance. People aren't going to do what you say. Well, you think the same thing in education. If you, you know, if, if the people don't trust you, they're going to sue you and say, you're not treating me right, and they're not going to do what you say you're supposed to do. So this idea of building a relationship, I think, should be the most important part of anybody who's going to work at, in a school as, as a as a teacher. And, you know, isn't it amazing in some schools you go to, the kids will talk to a custodian or food worker or somebody behind the, the desk rather than a teacher or a counselor? Yeah. And, you know, those are the people I always stop and look at and go, 
why are you talking to that person? And the kids will often say, because I trust them and they're cool and they understand and we can talk for real. And one of the biggest fears a kids seem to have is I don't want somebody calling my parents when they talk about this. Well, you can always tell them that, you know, we can be cool, uh, but if you're going to hurt yourself or someone else or your parents, then we, we need to get you the help that, that, that you may need. Yeah, that's, that's really powerful. So Steve, we've talked a lot, uh, we've talked about a lot of stuff today and I could probably talk to you for a couple more hours at least because I'm just fascinated with, with what you've got. But the last question I ask each person is what is one thing that a principal can start doing this week to become a transformative principal? So if you can just nail it down to one thing, what should we do this week? What should we implement from listening to you talk? I think the most build relationships with your staff, with your students, get to know everybody by name and, uh, and talk to them. Um, I, I can tell you uh, the, the basis of relationships for me are the three H's, the two S's, and the two L's. The three H's are honesty, humor, and uh, hope. You've got to have hope. You've got to speak with hope. So honesty, humor, and hope, very, very important. The two L's are probably the most important thing any good principal can do, and that is to keep your mouth shut and look and listen. Talk is not the first priority. Listen to why they're doing whatever they're doing. Look them in the eye. Don't look away at your phone and say, hey, I'm checking my phone just to see what I am. Look and listen, the two L's. And then the last two S's are just kind of nice, and the one is to smile Smile at people because it's hard not to smile back when he smiles at you. And say hi to everybody. Say hi to everyone, not just someone. And I walk through schools and I see principals say hi to some people but not others. Well, those people they don't say hi to, they know it too. So remember the three H's, the two L's, and the two S's. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I've got a link to your uh, website, drstevensroka.com in the show notes and links to a lot of things that you've talked about. So thank you so much for being on the Transformative Principle Podcast, Steve. I appreciate it. It's been awesome. Thank you so much. That was a great interview with uh, Steven Stroka. I'm so glad that he was able to be on the show. And uh, I hope that you'll take what he said in how to be a transformative principal and to remember the three H's, honesty, humor, and hope, to look and listen and to smile and say hi to everyone. What a powerful thing for us to be able to do. And I appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please share this with someone that you think could benefit from it. Thank you so much for being part of the show. Have a great day. Transformative Principles is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators by educators. Visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com slash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra helper intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. 
Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.